You tuned into PBA FM on 89.7 with Bianca, and I'd like to welcome my guest on the line, calling in from New Mexico, Abbott George Burke. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Now, you said you're, you just explained to me off air where you're from, um, east from New Mexico, east mountains outside of Albuquerque. So it's quite a distance from Adelaide. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Now, I just want to, there's so many things to talk about. Where do we begin? I'll just introduce you to the listener. You are the founder and director of the Light of the Spirit Monastery in Cedar Crest, USA. And in your many pilgrimages to India, you had the opportunity of meeting some of India's greatest spiritual figures and in the United States, you also encountered various Christian saints. And for many years, you've been engaged in deep study of the spiritual unity of Jesus Christ and his teachings with India and Sanatana Dharma. It's, uh, it's your conviction that original Christianity and original yoga are not just compatible. They are essentially one. And you've written extensively on these topics. And, and I'm intrigued. Where do we begin? Could you just explain a little bit about your, your history and, and how this all evolved? Well, I was raised uh, in a very uh, devout family that were uh, fundamentalist Protestants. And... Um, Actually, what happened is when I was in my beginning teens, uh, I had the feeling, look, I'm not getting anywhere. And so I actually uh, uh, prayed and took a solemn vow that I was not going to give up until I found the, the way of spiritual transformation. In fact, when I read the book of Acts, it was obvious to me that the apostles of Jesus became a totally different order of being. I mean, when St. Peter's shadow can cure the sick just as he walks by, obviously this is not an ordinary human being. And I thought, well, that must be what Jesus intended for us, and I'm certainly not finding uh, that out. So I took a vow I wouldn't get up, give up till I found it. So it took a lot of going, but... Um, when I was 20, I uh, sort of had a lightning strike insight into things I'd never believed before, in fact, were thought were terrible heresies. And uh, I realized, no, that happens to be the truth. And that led me to yoga, which as a, a methodology then doesn't depend on, well, am I, I in a good mood today, or is God in a good mood today? <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's how, uh, you know, it all began. And of course, that's how things got tied in even with uh, uh, a vegetarian diet because yogis follow such a diet. That's right. And I've been researching this topic and I'm, I'm really fascinated with it. Uh, a lot of people do say that there is a shift in consciousness that takes place when people change the way they eat. And, and I've seen this quite a bit, and even people experiencing more compassion for others. And over time, the, com the compassion that uh, people feel for animals that they refuse to consume morphs into a compassion for all sentient beings. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, I can give you a very interesting example. I met, a, I met actually a, um, a priest of the liberal Catholic Church, which is uh, to be found in Australia. 
but I met him in the state of Illinois here in America, and he was not a vegetarian, and we talked about it, cetera, and he immediately became, he and his whole family became vegetarians. Well, a little over a year later, the phone rang one time, and when I picked up his him, and he said, you know, I feel like I've done a terrible thing. I almost feel like I, I need to go to confession. And I said, well, what was it? He said, well, I went with um, my son Albert to a Cub Scout meeting that was in someone's basement. And things were going on, and all of a sudden, a bat was flying all around the room, around and around and around. And he said, uh, uh, I, I, I looked, and there was a board leaning against the wall, and I took the board, and when the bat came in my direction, I hit it as hard as I could. It fell to the floor. I grabbed it up, ran into the bathroom, and flushed it down the toilet. And he said, and suddenly I thought, I've killed a living thing. Mm. And he said, I, I feel so terrible. And he said, but, you know, a year or so, I wouldn't have uh, felt that way. And I said, well, tell me. He said, I would have been proud of having done it. I said, well, now, how long have you been a vegetarian? He said, that's it. That's it. In this year, my whole way of reacting has, has changed without me realizing it. So <laughs> it, it does have a great difference on the mind, tremendously so. I taught a, I taught a seminar on, uh, on yoga meditation in Stockton, California, in what's called the University of the Pacific. And I did it. I didn't get paid for it at all. It was a two-week <laughs> uh, program. And I said, since you're not paying me, this is my fee. Everyone in my course will have to be a vegetarian for at least the two weeks. And they worked it out with the uh, school, you know, with the college cafeteria, et cetera. And uh, after one week, every one of the students, they had about a dozen, uh, every one of them said that they could tell the difference so much on their minds even in exams that they were having to take at the same time they were doing the seminar, that they were going to be vegetarians for life. And I met a few of them in India about, oh, I'd say six years later, and uh, they were all still vegetarians. Gee. So, yeah, it's good. The proof is in the eating, we often say. It absolutely is. Uh, another author here says, this is quoting her, I wouldn't have believed it myself. Could I have been more at peace, more spiritual, more in tune and attuned with the universe than I already was? Yes, she says, I am living proof of that. For some reason, I had not connected the fact that I no longer worry or have any fears to the fact that I stopped eating animals and animal products. And she felt this shift. This is a, an author of, of some research that I was, I was looking at. And it, the, the list goes on. It just goes on and on. Clarification of morals and ethics. Um, when people decide to become more, more than just a dietary vegan uh, or vegetarian, uh, they force themselves to take a moment to consider and establish a moral and ethical code to govern their days. So first, they say you become devoted to nonviolence toward animals. And next... You are considering where you stand in terms of several other important causes. Oh, yes. I mean, there are so many 
things that we consider normal behavior patterns patterns are things that arise from the unfortunate practice of eating meat. And a lot of this is the way people quarrel, the way people, if someone hears something they don't agree with, they think they've got to immediately say, oh, no, that isn't how it is. And they like to wrangle, you know, intellectually speaking. Yes. And that stops. That, things like that stop. And, uh, by the way, I have a friend, <coughs> um, actually from Bedford, England, who was a, a remarkable psychic from birth. Her mother was a great psychic, and uh, she just inherited it all. And uh, she was living, when I knew her, she was living in Dallas, Texas, because her husband had a job there. And uh, anyhow, uh, she had problems with her triglycerides, and her doctor put her on a very strict vegetarian diet. Well, in about three weeks, when I went to visit her, she said, Do you know, my psychic abilities are absolutely 300% improved by having uh, gone on a vegetarian diet. Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. By the way, I mean, she, she was a real reliable psychic. There were several banks that had a conference call with her every month. And uh, actually, many of their policies were according to her advice. And that's how practically and demonstrably she was really a reliable psychic. And yet, you see, three times more. And, uh, you know, uh, event studies show that a vegetarian has an immune system two to three hundred percent stronger than a non-vegetarian. And vegans have about a five hundred percent stronger uh, immune system. And that's really amazing. It is. Yeah. It is food for life. <laughs> oh. And not to, yes, that's right. And another point I want to mention. I've just got so many pieces of paper in front of me because this is such a huge topic and it's just so great that we're talking about it. Um, compassion for self, the compassion that you feel toward animals and other individuals will then inevitably spill over into uh, compassion for self. So taking the time to treat yourself well by eating high quality nutritious foods often leads to other intriguing and beneficial self-care practices such as meditation, yoga and self-forgiveness and self-love. And this has been reported by many vegans and new vegans, myself included, because I've, I've been on this journey for four weeks. It's four weeks tomorrow and I did not plan it at all. I watched uh, the film Cowspiracy. Uh-huh. I interviewed a, a lady from, from the United States four weeks ago and I had to watch Cowspiracy before I interviewed her and it, within an instant, within, within one minute, it was not even a decision. It just some instinctive thing happened and it was like, I, I just can't do this. I cannot put animal product in my being, in my body. And uh, I think when you sort of hear the facts and we open up the conversation, it all makes sense. That's why I wanted to talk today also, because if, if this has positive effects for people and they feel good and productive and improve their life and improve the ripple effect of it, that's, that's why we're talking this evening. Yes, we know about, uh, oh, 20 years or so ago, I met a man who was getting near 90, 
and he was in really good shape and so on, a very intelligent uh, man. And I remember in our first conversation, uh, I explained to him how we were very strict vegetarians. And he smiled and said, that is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then I realized he was a vegetarian, and I mean, his his mental clarity and so on was just like it was when he was still a young man. There was he he was there was some aging to be seen in his body, but he had this radiant health. And uh, yes, I've never forgotten that. And it is often the very beginning of wisdom. That's and uh, yeah, even as a yogi, uh, I had lots of friends who were. Uh, yogis. I uh, uh, moved to California and I lived next door to a center that had been started by Paramahansa Yogananda. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He wrote a book called Autobiography of a Yogi that is a spiritual masterpiece. And I had many friends. We were all yogis together. And again, as the years go by, you need perseverance to keep up spiritual uh, your spiritual levels. And those that were strict vegetarians, they persevered. And those that cut corners and ate the meat when they went to see their grandmother at Thanksgiving or whatever. In fact, I remember a couple of them bragging and saying, oh, I never ask if there's meat in something. I, And if I'm given it, I just eat it. I don't make a point about it. Uh, they faded away from the, the yoga world. So I believe, for example, I've been a yogi for over 50 years, and I believe that the reason is I became a vegetarian and held to it. Yes. I'm very serious about that. And the energy levels also are significantly improved. Oh, absolutely. And every time, I mean, we've even had uh, specialists ask us for... Uh, our recipes we used for them, especially heart specialists, uh, to, to uh, give to their their uh, patients and help them become vegetarians and and improve their health. And uh, people are always amazed. Doctors are always amazed when they they test uh, vegetarians, such as myself or others in the monastery, and they'll say, "Well, this is incredible! All of your." Uh, all of your stats from blood and so on, they're right in, dead center in the middle of what is normal and, and what is desirable. So uh, uh, we, have, we, have medical <laughs> we have medical testimony on that. And, of course, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in America we're lucky to have about half a dozen really vocal and dedicated physicians who even travel around the country and give lectures. And uh, so, you know, it's not just uh, a theory. It can be proven and is being proven. I like what Charles Patterson, the author of Eternal Treblinka, dedicated to Isaac Bashevis, singer, makes the connection between killing animals and killing people as clear as possible. And he says dehumanization of the species always lead to approval of murder and unless you can really be honest 
honest hearted when you're doing your research he says you will continue to come up with excuses uh, to justify your fork however in today's society the only means left to us to protest the garbage we are fed and that includes biotech foods is to vote with our fork yes yes I mean, you know it's interesting um uh, 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 and another uh, American uh, who a yogi once pointed out to me, he said, you know, in Sanskrit, the word for meat is musu. And he said, mu means me, su means you. He said, it said that uh, the idea really is, all right, you kill me, then I'll kill you. Mm. Meaning that the, the toxic effects of of the flesh of the animal that's been killed is going to take its death toll on you eventually. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a small thing. Oh, that uh, here you have a sentient being that has consciousness that is also growing. Look, look at the phenomenal intelligence that, uh, that, that animals will, uh, uh, you know, will manifest. I mean, when I was a little boy... I remember that uh, there were some people that had huge amounts of chickens. For a, they were it was sort of a side income for them, and there were these poor animals. There were hundreds of them actually, destined, of course, for death. And we weren't thinking anything about it. I'm talking about it in the 1940s, and yet there were some of those chickens that knew their name. You could call for them, and wherever they were, they would come to you. Now, how you can turn around and and kill and eat a friend is amazing, but this is one of the clouding effects that meat eating has on the mind, and it clouds the heart as well as the mind. Indeed. Yeah. And what what about when people you know people will have pets, cats and dogs, but you know they eat ch- chickens and uh, pigs, cows, and all animals are the same. My point being in, you know, sort of thinking about all of this, cats, dogs, chickens, cows, they all feel the same thing. And they say, I think, that pigs are even the more intelligent than dogs and cats. They are so sensitive and so emotional. Definitely, definitely. Incredibly intelligent. And even more than the ordinary intelligence, they all always show an intuition, in fact, I can tell you a really interesting story about that. A friend of mine uh, lived in what's called the dunes outside of uh, San Francisco. This is many years ago. This was in the 30s. And um, uh, he, he made a little extra money. He was sort of a hermit. Made a little extra money by <coughs> burning the, the trash at a, a, a kind of a dump site that was there for the, the little town nearby. And uh, so he would go once a week, and he'd uh, set everything on fire and see that it burnt well. All right, anyway, one time when he was going down the street in a small little town, there was this huge, really ferocious-looking bulldog in a front yard, which he happily saw was... Uh, behind the fence, but he said the moment that dog saw him, it began to like shake, like with tremendous fear. And he said the dog backed away and away, 
and there was an outdoor stairway going uh, to the second floor, and he said the dog literally backed up the stairs, never taking his eyes from my friend and trembling all the while. And he thought, well, how strange, animals usually like me. And uh, this happened more than once. And then one day, oh, several months later, when he went to this dump, uh, one of the kind of uh, trash collectors was there, and he said, oh, I've got something good for you. And he said, he, you know, he would say that to him whenever there's something really pretty kind of uh, icky or ishy that he was going to have to burn. And so, and the man drove on. And so then when he looked, what do you think? He saw the dead body of that bulldog. And so he left it to the last, and when the huge roaring fire was going, then he picked it up by the back leg and flung it onto the top of the, uh, the pyre, which was in the dog's funeral pyre. And he said, I realized that dog knew that one day I was going to do this. Oh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there, there we have it, you know. Uh, I had an aunt that loved animals. Animals loved her. Stray dogs would find her house. I mean, you can't imagine the number of animals of all kinds. And if people found neglected animals, they'd bring them to her. She and my uncle, uh, in fact, when she would write me a letter, she'd say, uh, your Aunt Faye, your Uncle George, and the zoo. And, uh, uh, you know, she mm-hmm. she had this one, wonderful heart, because and they understood it. And, uh, yeah, so, we, and she would, and people would say in the time, you think those animals are people, don't you? You know, in a contemptuous way. You know, my aunt was very devout very religious, she believed in prayer, and she would pray for sick animals and they'd recover. And people laughed. But after a few years, whenever their pets got sick, they would call my aunt and say, will you pray for my cat? Will you pray for my dog? Will you pray for my parents? And she would. And I'm telling you, Bianca, not a one of those animals she prayed for died of the problem they had. They were cured. So my my grandmother was 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 an animal healer. I mean my sorry my aunt. Wow. My my grandmother was a people healer. <laughs> That's why I put the word grandmother in there. But that my aunt Faye did. In fact, I can tell you a funny story if I'm not taking up your no, time. No, go for it. <laughs> uh, a, a cousin of mine married a very remarkable woman, uh, an artist who was from a, a very wealthy family in the upper state of New York, and he'd never met her family because they met in the, in the Middle West where they both were going to university. So he met them. He went one time, they drove all the way to upstate New York and met them, and he considered them very, very strange. And so <laughs> all the way back across the country every so often, he would say, Lenny, you just have the weirdest family, and I won't take your time to uh, tell you why he said it, but it, it, it was some, there had been some rather exotic behavior he had witnessed. So they came into the little hometown. It was just 450 people, and they drove up this, off the highway, and they came up the street, 
And to their amazement, they saw my Aunt Faye standing out in her front yard with an accordion, okay, Mm. playing and singing hymns to a whole group of both cats and dogs together, not in conflict at all. And they were all around her in a circle, listening to her sing. Fascination. And not moving, just looking at her and listening to her sing all these songs about God and so on. And then then as they passed by and went on, my cousin's wife turned to him and said, don't you ever tell me again that my family is strange. Oh, that's <laughs> but, but it was wonderful, wasn't it? Uh, wonderful. Uh, just think, I mean, animals don't care for, for human music, especially an accordion, and yet they were fascinated by her. Yes, indeed. So you see, when you have a heart like this, mm. manifest. Human beings are meant to be the friends and guide of animals. I mean... Uh, in the Eastern Eastern Orthodox Church, they say that it says in the Bible where it says that God brought the animals to Adam and he named them. Mm-hmm. They said what that really means is that Adam perceived intuitively what the purpose of the animal was, which was not to be eaten by humans. And that humans are meant to be like a, almost like a shepherd, a, a guide for animals. Yes. And, I mean, I've known yogis whose pets would meditate with them. In fact, a friend of mine had a dog that would, had a dachshund that would do its best to try to, to, to sit up in meditation. Yeah. It didn't success well. But then she had another dog who absolutely would sit up, cross its legs, and sit by her when she meditated. And they feel that energy. Yes, they're and super intelligent. Or some people say they've got more uh, intuition than some humans these days because people are so busy. And but animals are in the moment and they're calm and they notice everything, even a tone change. Even with I have two dogs at home, and if my tone changes or if they know the look, they just sense everything. It's incredible. Yes, yes, it's wonderful to realize that. Everything in this world is alive and is conscious, and it has a meaning and a purpose. It isn't just for us to use. And also, plant-based diet has such energy and power in it. We don't need animal product. I will just reiterate that. I know we've been talking about it, but people think that we need protein from animal product, but there's an abundance of minerals and vitamins in plant-based diet. Oh, yes, and they're assimilated by the body, whereas uh, animal, that animal flesh is not meant for human beings to eat. The very um, to the structure of the teeth and the, the um, digestive tract shows oh. humans are meant to be vegetarians. Yes. And you notice that you can't do hardly anything with uh, the carnivorous animals, you know, except, you know, you can take the big cats and a man can take a chair and a whip and get them to perform tricks in a circus. But uh, it's, it's your 
uh, in fact, it's the vegetarian animals that are the useful animals, so the domesticated animals. Like, like for example, for, see, in India, for example, they don't think the lion is the king of beasts. They say the elephant is the king of beasts because the elephant is wise, mm. shows intelligence. And so you also see that um, um, the, uh, your carnivore animals, they all have these uh, amazing teeth and claws and so on, and they run very fast to kill other animals. But their energy is only something in spurts. It isn't something that really endures. And yet you can take, uh, uh, let's say, a water buffalo, take a horse, they can pull plows, uh, they, can, they can pull vehicles as they did back before the uh, internal combustion engine, you know, for people to travel. So they, they can do all that. It's because they're vegetarians. They're endurant, and it's becoming more and more. Both, I don't know what about Australia, but in both England and America, it's becoming more and more common that mar- people who win marathon races and so on are vegetarians. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. So it is, again, a diet for life on all levels, which includes consciousness development. And another thing I saw, meat eaters have strong hydrochloric acid in stomach to digest meat. Herbivores have stomach acid that is 20 times weaker than that of a meat eater, and humans have stomach acid that is 20 times weaker than that of a meat eater. So herbivores and humans, the same. That's right. And and another one, uh, meat eaters have acid saliva with no enzyme to pre-digest grains, and herbivores and humans have alkaline saliva to pre-digest grains. Yes, yes. So the the very the very organism shows that that's what we're meant for. There's another very interesting thing too. I've noticed in becoming a vegetarian, uh, you really see a huge difference uh, after about six months. I mean, you can see it right away. I did, but I mean, you really see it. And then, interesting enough, about three years go by, and then uh, after the three years. A past, you begin to really realize how this has been a process of transformation. Well, interestingly enough, in the digestive tracts of carnivores, in the intestinal tract, the bacteria is all anaerobic bacteria. In other words, it lives not with oxygen. In other words, oxygen is deadly. Oxygen is deadly to it. Well, oxygen is, oxygen is the basis of life. Mm. And so, literally, this is like a death type of situation. In other words, the bacteria is completely, uh, what do we say, oxygen allergic or oxygen rejective. Now, when you become a vegetarian, it takes three years. And in three years, all slowly, all the bacteria in the intestinal tract changes from anaerobic to bacteria to aerobic bacteria. Mm-hmm. So there's a life-supporting uh, bacteria. So you, your, your, your body changes yes. from kind of a, you could almost say from, from a death uh, uh, type of existence or a deadly type of existence or an anti-evolutionary existence to that. And it's why then you don't cheat 
regarding this matter. You don't say, oh, well, once or twice in a year, mm-hmm. I'll ease, because then that change will not, uh, will not occur. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's truly an amazing, it's truly an amazing thing. Um, I remember I, I um, knew a, a yogi from Switzerland who was a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, and he said one time they went for a walk. Paramahansa Yogananda said to him, you're from Switzerland, are you? He said, yes. He said, do you have lots of lakes and rivers in Switzerland? He said, yes. He said, are there lots of fish in those lakes? He said, yes. And Yogananda said, and there's a lot of cancer in Switzerland, isn't there? And he said, well, yes. And Yogananda said, yes. <laughs> that, that is how things happen. So this is very, this is very, very true. When I was a child, I would, well, child, even in my teens, I would, at the beginning of winter, get my winter cold. It was terrible. Runny nose, misery all the time, and it would literally last the entire winter. It was horrible. When I became a vegetarian, that stopped. In fact, I didn't get colds anymore. And I was in the Midwest where we had really <laughs> severe winters. So that was one thing that I, re- I really, really saw. Very amazing. The recuperative powers of a vegetarian is far beyond that of a non-vegetarian. Yes, if you, I've, there's a list, a huge list of things that helps with cardiovascular disease, cholesterol, blood pressure, type 2 diabetes uh, when people transition to a vegetarian vegan diet or vegan diet. It improves, uh, it's good for helping um, things like breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer. Uh, major studies showed that men in early stages of prostate cancer who switched to a vegan diet either stopped the progress of the cancer or may have even reversed the illness. It's uh, a colon cancer. Eating a diet consisting of whole grains along with fresh fruits and vegetables can greatly reduce your chances of colon cancer, uh, macular degeneration, cataracts, arthritis, osteoporosis. The list is pages and pages long. Allergies, migraines, PMS, improves nails, hair, bad breath, body odour, healthy skin. You know, I could read, keep reading, but I think we get the idea. It's just phenomenal, the, the list of health benefits. Health benefits to the body, mind and spirit, as we've discussed tonight. The, the whole holistic benefits. Yes. I mean, nothing, nothing, there is nothing that cannot be benefited through vegetarian diet. And that goes for animals, too. Uh, you know, the um, animals, in fact, a friend visited us just, just today who has a, a huge uh, Labrador. And uh, the, the, the Labrador is a vegetarian, just like our friend, vegan, actually. Like, and we actually made, uh, we years ago found a recipe for uh, for dog food created by a vegetarian uh, vet, and uh, so we we cooked it for her. And uh, let me tell you, she really want she really liked eating that food. They do. They I've know. Known, I've I've known dogs. I knew a couple of Yorkies whose favorite food was romaine lettuce. <laughs> 
My my dogs eat lettuce, but if I just give them lettuce, they won't eat it. I have to put olive oil and a tiny bit of salt on there. Himalayan salt, by the way, not not regular salt. Yes, okay. <laughs> no, but it's funny how they taste. They even like the Himalayan salt because it's got, uh, I think, 100 vitamins in it as opposed to regular white table salt that I previously had on the table. And they've noticed the difference. When we transitioned to our healthier diet, we took the dogs on the journey and they they know they're smart. They they choose oh, yes. they choose the good food. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it it it's right across the, the whole spectrum that yep. you can't anything that cannot be improved through a vegetarian diet. That's right. Now, Abbott George Burke, thank you so much for your time. I we have run out of time. The next program is getting in the chair in four minutes, so I, I must end the conversation. But I'd love to have a part two with you because I feel like there's there's so many more areas we can go with this conversation. Great, anytime. You just let me know. Oh, thank you so much for calling in. It's it's an absolute blessing to have you on the program. Well, thank you for having me. I, I'm really, really uh, happy that we got to meet this way. Oh, it's the universe. Trust the universe and it all works out. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Live in harmony with it. Wonderful. Thank you, Abbott George Burke. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.